Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. God is like that father with the prodigal son who is just like eagerly anticipating that moment we say, hey, Lord, can we hang out? He's like, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. Yes, please, let's hang out. Stay connected to me. I got some fruit I want to produce in your life, right? I got things, some things I got planned for you, um, but I just need you to show up because the problem's never with him. The problem's always with me and my willingness to be there, to show up, so to speak. The journey of a Christian is marked by constant inner struggle, the war between the desires of the flesh and the call of the spirit. As you walk in faith, you'll encounter moments of doubt, the allure of old habits, and the pull of worldly temptations. But as Pastor James discusses today, you're not alone in that battle, because the Lord has already defeated all sin. In Christ, you'll discover the strength to resist temptation and the courage to confront your weaknesses. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Galatians chapter 5, as Pastor James continues his message, The Fruit of the Spirit. once from a, a Bible instructor, he, he, from Bible college, but he, he taught at the, um, the European campus. And some, some friends of mine had come back and, and he had instructed his, his students. He's like, look, here's what I want you to do one of your days, because devotions were something that they strongly encouraged us to, to do, right? To establish good, healthy morning devotions, right? But he encourages students. He's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out on the campus. They, this was like literally a castle in um, I didn't go there, but my friends lived in a castle in Europe, which is crazy. Um, he's like, I want you to go somewhere on the grounds, and I want you to do your devotions, and I don't want you to bring your Bible. And they're all like, oh, you can't, no, what, yeah, we, and he's like, just go and sit in silence and do your devotion. Just talk to Jesus. In fact, do more listening than you do talking. And uh, so I had some friends report back, and they were like, man, that was like some of the most intimate time with the Lord that I had had. Now, he didn't say, never do use your Bible with, you know, when you do devotion. He just said, every so often, how about you just get away and just sit in silence and just sit and listen and just simply show up and say, okay, Lord, here I am. Here I am. If you want to speak to me, then speak to my heart, Lord. But I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy your presence. I'm just going to enjoy you. And, and that's just that, that's a, a simple element of abiding. Showing up in the morning, maybe you do your devotions at nighttime. I don't know. It doesn't matter when you do them, but you just show up. And sometimes that's with the word. You open up the word, you're reading through it, and you're like, okay, Lord, I, this is just me and you time. It's just me and you time. You know, tell me, speak to me however you want to speak to me. Tell me whatever you want to tell me. Fix whatever's wrong inside of me or reveal whatever may be going on inside of me that needs to be revealed. Because I, it's just me and you. I want to stay connected to you. And I don't, want, I don't want to allow anything in my life that's going to disconnect me, so to speak, from your life source or from your power. Sin does that. Sin does that. 
Okay, so we have to be aware of that. But Jesus is, he's communicating to his disciples in the very last moments of his life, and he wants to place emphasis on the fact that, look, I expect for you to produce fruit within your life. I expect you to be fruitfulness, but I don't expect you to do it on your own. He never commands us to do something that he himself is not willing to step into our lives and provide the power or the ability to do it. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. He never asks you to do something, and he's like, okay, now go figure it out. That's not how he works. He says, here's what I want you to do. Oh, by the way, I'm going to give you the power that you need to do that, to accomplish that. I'll give you whatever you need to accomplish that. It's, it's the dad with his son mowing the grass illustration that we always hear about, right? The kid's not pushing the mower. Dad is. The kid has no strength to do it, but dad does. Is, would it be easier for dad to do it on his own? Absolutely. Oh, Totally. It'd go by a lot quicker, be more efficient. God could solve all the world's problems in and of his own strength, but he lets us mow the grass with him, which is amazing. If you don't believe God's long-suffering, just take a second and think about it and be like, man, Lord, yeah, how, you got to deal with me. So yeah, you probably are pretty long-suffering, right? But he brings us along with him. Why? Because he wants that connection with us. As much as we should desire connection with him, the abiding in him, he longs to stay connected to us. He wants to be connected to you. He's not like, all right, so, you know, when are you going to show up? Right? Oh, I guess, oh, well, he's praying now, so I, we need to, I, I got to spend time now. I got to focus some attention on James now because he's actually praying now and all this stuff. That's not how God works. God is like that father with the prodigal son who is just like eagerly anticipating that moment we say, hey, Lord, can we hang out? He's like, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. Yes, please, let's hang out. Stay connected to me. I got some fruit I want to produce in your life, right? I got things, some things I got planned for you, um, but I just need you to show up because the problem's never with him. The problem's always with me. And my willingness to be there, to show up, so to speak. God's got, he's got amazing plans for you concerning fruitfulness. The problem is never him. The problem is always me and my willingness just to show up. But here's Jesus like, abide in me, abide in me. And this, this thing, verse 2, that, that causes some issues. Verse uh, chapter, or chapter, same chapter, but I think verse 6 kind of sparks some of these same issues. But let me clarify some stuff for you. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. So you're like, immediately, our tendency is to, to panic, right? Because then we start thinking, we do some self-reflection, and we're like, I don't think I'm all that fruitful, and I'm afraid that God's going to be done with me. That's not probably, technically, what that's talking about, okay? This certainly is not a salvation issue, because we hold fast to the fact that Salvation, number one, you getting saved has never been dependent upon you. He did all the work. You staying saved, whatever in the world that means, surely doesn't depend on you. You're in his hand. You're in his hand. And that's a pretty powerful hand to be in. So can you lose your salvation, all this stuff? I think if you lost your salvation, you probably never had it. I think you may have never had it. And that's something to be aware of, especially in our Western culture, where Christianity is mean, it means so many other things other than a, a, an absolute surrender to Jesus. 
right? Because we've, uh, unfortunately, with some, you know, bad teachings and all this stuff, I, I think we've lost what Christianity actually even is. True biblical Christianity is a surrender of self and a, a, a establishing Jesus as the king of your life, like total, complete surrender. It's not about like, yeah, I'll sign up on this Jesus thing as long as he, if he hooks me up with stuff or he gets me out of this problem, right? That's not Christianity. That's Western mentality of like, you know, this, this teaching that kind of circulated, and it's still prevalent today. Where it's like, no, 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 you, you get, you know, just say this prayer. Jesus comes in and he fixes all your problems and all this stuff. I'm like, that's not the Christianity that I know. It's not. Christianity I know is one of suffering. It's one of surrender. It doesn't mean your life's going to be miserable. In fact, it means you have more joy within your life. True biblical Christianity is like, I can walk through any scenario. Nothing can steal the joy that I have away. Nothing can steal me away from him. Paul even actually wrote about that in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, it's kind of a cool chapter. But um, this, the other way this can be translated is instead of he cuts off, he lifts up. Okay? There's two different ways to translate this, this phrase. He cuts off or he lifts up because the problem Speaking of vines, which if you know anything about vines, especially fruit, more than likely the reference here is grapes. And when those vines would get, those vines could get, you know, burdens, you know, burdened or, or weighed down and then they're in the mud and all that stuff. And so a vine dresser would commonly come, come around and lift up the vines and wash them off so that they could be in their proper position. So there's an idea that that's more than likely that's what he's talking about. Maybe you've been weighed down with just the muck of this world. Well, the true vine dresser, who is God the Father, wants nothing more than to come alongside you and lift you up and wash you off. And the water is always in reference to the Word of God. Maybe he just wants to clean you off so that you can bear, so that you can produce some more fruit, because you're weighed down right now. He needs to get you out of the muck and the mire so that you can bear more fruit. The goal is, is, is fruitfulness. The goal is to produce more fruit. But the, the fruit is not for you and it's not for me. It's always for him and it's always for others. Okay? It's for him, first and foremost. Uh, he prunes fruit. So if you're going to bear fruit, you're staying connected to Jesus, you will produce fruit within your life. Then here's, here's the frustrating element of staying connected to the vine and bearing fruit. He takes the fruit away. He takes that precious fruit away from you that you've worked, well, you think, you've worked so hard on, on accomplishing. But again, you don't see any, you walk around and go examine some fruit trees. None of them are sweating, okay? None of them are, are dealing with worry or anxiety about producing fruit. There's no, there's no, they're not straining at all. They're just doing what naturally happens. The branch is producing the fruit or the blossoms that turn into the fruit because it's connected to the to the vine, so to speak, um, and that's produce, producing all the life. It just, it just shows up, and it just produces naturally. The thing about fruit is this. As, we, as we're connected to Jesus, we're producing fruit within our lives. That fruit can't remain in your life. If you're going to be a healthy branch, the fruit can't remain. It can't. It has to be taken away. 
he has to come through because the healthiest thing for the branch is to remove the fruit that it's produced. But yet, that's not how we work. Because how we work is, no, I'm going to hold on to everything. I got to hold on to everything. If you think of like fruit within your life, maybe relationships. Sometimes he has to come through and prune those relationships so that other fruit can be produced in its place. It's not because he's mean. It's actually because he's loving. And he expects you as a branch to produce much more fruit. But we like comfort. We love security. I got my bubble. God, don't mess with my bubble, right? And he's like, pop. He's like, I don't care about your bubble. I do, but I don't because you're a branch and your role is to produce a lot more fruit. So I need to take this away because that's not even your fruit. It it never belonged to the branch. It it never belonged to the branch. A very real application for this would be, I know for myself, and the thing that I tend to go towards um, almost immediately is, well, my kids, my children. Yeah, they are my children, but they're fruit in one sense, given to me from God. And sometimes he, has to, he takes those so that they can become branches and then they can bear fruit on their own because he's got plans for them. This is a hard reality sometimes for parents as we are on the threshold of, you know, one growing up and out of the house kind of a deal. But we can hold on so tightly and I'm just going to, well, what happens? You, you got applesauce, right? You like squeeze that thing to death. Like you're just holding on to it, holding on to it, holding on to it. It's like, no, you got to let it go. Let it go. I've experienced this many times, numerous times in, in leadership, running youth ministry, where I have my leadership team. That's just, you know, in, in one sense, like it's a fruit, uh, so to speak, that the Lord has allowed to produce within my life. And then, and then he has the audacity to move them on to something else. And I'm like, no, that's my fruit. And he's like, yeah, that's where you went wrong. He's like, yeah, that's, uh, I'm not taking away because of that, but James, they're never yours. They were always mine. And we'll get more specifically into spiritual fruit, the fruit of the spirit, but um. I'm just trying to use practical elements just so we can understand that. If you got fruit within your life, just please understand this. It's his fruit. It belongs to him. It belongs to him. So in your walk with Jesus, in your abiding with Jesus, you, I hope that you have a heart of like, I just want to bear more fruit with the realization that the more fruit you bear, the more he takes away. The more, you know, and then to make room for more fruit. And then he enjoys the fruit, but then other people get to enjoy that fruit that's produced within your life as well. It's a beautiful thing that God has established, but it's very difficult for the branch. It's very difficult for the branch to have to give up that, like, man, I worked so hard for that one little apple. <laughs> like, that's my, it was my only one in all 20 years. Like, I have, only, I have that one fruit. And God's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that um, and just watch. Just wait. Continue, you know, watering and all that, sit in the sun and do all that good stuff. More fruit will come because the goal for every single believer, regardless of where you're at in your walk with Jesus, the goal has always been for you to produce more fruit. And it's not a works thing because there's nothing you can do to make it happen. The only thing you can do, quote unquote, is just to spend more time with Jesus. And that's not a work 
That's a delight. And now, if you look at it as a work, then you need to fix some stuff within your relationship with Jesus, because it should never be, uh, as John Piper would say, a duty to sit at the feet of Jesus. It should be a delight. You're not doing it because, like, I have to do this. You're doing this because, man, I, I just, I need this time. I want this time. Fruit happens? Sweet, fruit happens. But that's, that's for the Lord. So he can, he can produce it, and then he prunes it away to make room for more fruit and all this good stuff. But the, the common principle there is the fact that you will not produce any fruit if you're not connected to the vine, period. So stay connected to Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 5, just this last little part before we switch over here, he says, I am the vine, in case you forgot, and since the last moment I told you, I'm the vine, and that's, we need that reminder, just so you know, because we think we're the source of all life. You're not. Um, only he is. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But, however, if you stay connected to me, my words remain in you. You may ask any request you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great joy to my Father. So here's this little, last little portion here of like, okay, so... Branches that are gathered and tossed into the fire. Because again, that's a scary part of scripture where you're like, wait a minute. So what does that mean? Please note that within that, he never says that the vine dresser does this. If you read your Bibles carefully, you'll, you'll take notice. And New Living Translation says, you know, it says, anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch. Well, who's doing the throwing away? It's not the vine dresser. It's not the vine dresser. Well, who's gathering, gathering them up and throwing them in the fire? It's not the vine dresser. And again, we're not talking about this whole chapter. Context is key because we're not talking about salvation. So the idea here is that outsiders looking at the vine and the branches, it's their perception of your commitment to Jesus. And they see that you're not bearing any fruit. Well, it's how outsiders are looking at you, so to speak. And they're judging your life based on fruitfulness, Right? Because that is one way that we do judge each other, and that's actually one way that we should be judging each other. We judge each other based on our fruit production. Are you producing good fruit? Are you producing bad fruit? Well, guess what? The world does the same thing. The world does the same thing. So even in their complaints about church, Christians being too judgy, give me a break. Everybody in the world judges. I mean, that's, a, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, give me, what? Everybody judges. And actually, it's healthy to observe you good? Are you, are you a good branch? Or are you a bad branch? Right? Like, we have to do that. We have to do that. So the idea here is that it's not so much the vine dresser who does this, but it's, it's others who are caused to mock or ridicule you as a follower because you don't seem like you're connected to Jesus at all. In fact, your lifestyle represents something totally different, and it causes them to mock Jesus. And maybe the fire that's referenced here could be that of like conviction in one sense. Maybe because you're indulging in sin. And the world is looking at you as a self, you're a self-proclaimed Christian and they're watching you how you live your life and it's just sinful and they're like, and it causes them to mock or ridicule God. And that should burn inside of you. In fact, it should just wake you up to where it's like, I 
Maybe I need to get connected to Jesus. Maybe I need to start bearing some fruit. So that what? So that the end of that, that verse, verse 8, my true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. Not ridicule, not mocking, but glory to him, right? So it's just a good little, good little wake-up call. He goes into further just concerning abiding and all that stuff, but I really do want to just spend this last few minutes just talking about the fruit, specifically, spiritual fruit, um, fruit of the Spirit, right? So turn over to Galatians chapter 5, please. The key is you abide in Christ, he abides in you, produce fruit. So let's talk about some of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits, plural, it's fruit singular, okay? It's one fruit, and it's love, and everything else is, is just a definition of love, Okay, so that list that we're going to read through, I just want to throw that out there to you guys in case you don't know, because we always think of like fruits of the Spirit. There's not fruits of the Spirit. There's fruit of the Spirit, and it's love. And it looks like these different things, okay? If you go, let's, we want, we want to do context, right? So look at verse 16. This is Apostle Paul. We've already studied through this once before, but he says this, so I, I advise you to live according uh, to your new life in the Holy Spirit, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Heads up, you have a sinful nature, and it craves certain things. And all those things that it craves are bad for you and bad for other people, okay? That's the struggle. So if you wake up one day and you're like, man, I don't know what it is, but I keep doing bad stuff. Well, and you're like, I gave my life to Jesus, and I thought all that bad stuff's supposed to go away. Welcome to the war. Welcome to real biblical Christianity. It's a war that you engaged in. And it just, got, it just got more intense in one sense. When you surrender to Jesus, now the Holy Spirit resides in you. And there, there are almost like two natures almost in one sense. And that's what Paul's going to talk about here. That are at war with each other. Your desire to fulfill the lust of your flesh versus your desire to walk in the Spirit. And they're always battling against each other. And sometimes this side wins and sometimes that side wins if we're honest. It says, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your old sinful nature loves to do evil. And you can amen that because you know that that's true. You know it's true. Which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And your choices are never free from this conflict. Heads up, Christians. Your choices are never free from this stuff. So if you're waiting for the day where you won't be tempted to sin, that's called heaven, okay? And as far as I can tell, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. So you're not free from the struggle. So wake up to the realization that your sinful flesh still wants to do sinful stuff. And sometimes you give in. And sometimes you don't. It's not whether you have a, you know, a thousand percent batting average. It's about owning it when you, when you strike out, right? If you give into a sinful f- desire, it's about just owning that and saying like, man, Lord, here's, okay, Lord, here's what I did. And I don't have to tell you because you already know, but because I respect our relationship, I'm just going to tell you, I did this and it's a sin against you. And I am sorry. Can you please, would you please forgive me for sinning against you? And he says, of course, absolutely. Now let's walk in repentance. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the 
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word, and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you, here on Bread for the Broken.